0: i <laughs> you And racing. it's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two
1: bros/slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts Cause They know they're not talking out of their royal ass. What well, they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents the Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic, magic Mike, Mike Show, tune into the show every week the magic mike show you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racingdunes.com
2: what's up everybody i'm magic
0: and i'm mike
2: this is the magic mike show episode 368 mr samich huzzah monday this is, uh, it's gonna be a, a uh, we're gonna try our best to give you some energy, Mike. <laughs> a little, a uh, little low for different reasons, but uh, listen, what is exciting, what's gonna help, Mike, is we're covering keeneland's late pick four on Wednesday. That final race, um, we could probably just talk about every single horse in there because I, they're all equally terrible.
0: <laughs> it's a little bit of a mess. We we're talking about it before we came on here, and, and you're like, I might add someone. I'm like, did you use the first time starter? And you're like, no, I'm like, just add that horse, because it's that bad of a race where you got to use that first time starter when you have the percentages that barn has. So we'll get to that pick four uh, a little bit later. We're going to kick it off a little Kentucky Derby talk. But let me tell you, number one rule when you have kids, you're either going to get sick or you're going to get kept up by them when they're sick. And so that's why we're going to try and keep the energy up here for a nice, nice hour.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's a couple of different bugs going around that uh, it's, it's funny. When you get to this stage of parenting, you just start like checking in every couple of weeks with parents. Hey, we've got these, have you had this yet? And yes or no. And then you you just keep going until you find something that says, yes, how did you survive it? And then you go from there. Uh, But we're very happy that you're joining us. Uh, We really appreciate you guys joining us live. If you're listening, we thank you very much. Leave us a like a thumbs up. Mike and I, before we dump into the human late pick four on Wednesday, um, Saturday, really not that much to talk about from this past weekend in terms of Derby stuff. So we figured let's just do an overall update. So we'll dive into some news here for the Kentucky Derby. Ah, uh, great comment there from Chris. Rule number <laughs> 2, don't play parks on a Monday. Uh listen, Mike, uh, update right now that the big thing that I know about going on, uh our boy White Abario turned turning a lot of heads with this 3 furlong work. His first one, uh, his first work back since winning the Florida Derby and he did it in 34 and 1. Uh, or 34 and change I should. I can't remember 34 and 3 and change. Regardless, a very effortless looking, very fast 3 furlongs. Uh Wadebario, a horse that you and I Pulled back a little bit after the Florida Derby just because visually it wasn't as impressive as some of, say, Epicenter or, or Taiba's victories. But with this work here, you got to feel a little better about his chances, right? A little bit more invigorated about way to Barrio.
0: I mean, he's just trying to pull me back in. And I'm not a workout guy. And we're about to get to the point where we're going to hear that 20 horses are working the best they've ever worked in the, their entire life uh, for about two and a half straight weeks. And so it, it's, you got to kind of rein in the excitement on some of this workout talk. I generally ignore workouts coming into the Kentucky Derby because you have a pretty good idea of who these horses are based on who they've already faced. Um, but yeah, he looked pretty darn good. Like let's not, let's not lie here. Like if, if I was watching this and I was watching it for a comeback race, something like that, I'd be all over white at Barrio. The fact that we've seen him run, uh, it, it makes me less interested in the work outside of it, but this is also a horse where, you know, when we did that interview for of C2 Stables and we talked to them about how the horse was progressing, mentioned founding youth, we weren't really cranked up, right, it comes back, wins the Florida Derby, now we see this horse continuing to progress, I mean, this horse is a horse that's been sick twice in this run up here to the Kentucky Derby, missed two weeks of not only training but jogging and just just getting out on the track and getting loose and getting bigger, grew quite a bit between that first prep and the Florida Derby, and now seems to have come out of the Florida Derby really well. All of that, definitely a positive.
2: Sorry, Colson's home sick, so if it, I, I go mute sometimes, that's why. Um, he uh, White Abario, um, what I learned from work, watching workouts with people who know what they're talking about, is you watch how the horse is acting, and he's acting like he wants more. He looks like he's pulling at the rider, and then you watch the rider, and the rider's either not moving, or you see is slightly pulling back. He's like, buddy, we still got a few weeks before the Derby. Don't do it. All now. So it's a good sign it shows that he's on the muscle. And you're right, Mike. I, I kind of brought that up because it is a horse that we love. We have him on the Racing Dudes Triple Crown Fantasy League. But uh, also to kind of poke fun at the fact that you already brought it up, we're gonna be hearing for the next two and a half weeks. Every single horse is working lights out, is working amazingly. Um, I saw a headline from DRF over the weekend about how Uno, oh yeah, they think he's he worked well. We think the Kentucky Derby is definitely within sights. Okay, also water's wet. Thank you for letting us know. Like we really appreciate <laughs> that kind of information. Um, yeah, the big question, Davey, can he do it outside of Gulfstream? He's four for four at Gulfstream. He's got to take, uh, take the show on the road. Might be why Nick is uh, leaving him off the But We're still a little bit out from the Derby. Nothing really changing yet. I will let you know over at youtube.com slash racing dudes. We're going to have video coverage profiling the top 24 horses in the Kentucky Derby points leaderboard. So that way, even if we have a couple of defections between now and the Derby, we've still got other horses there with the information provided. So all of the lead handicappers at racingdudes.com, We're going to be analyzing these horses very closely, giving you our in-depth thoughts. So make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash racing dudes for all of that. Mike, did you want to talk about the, it was the pace that you wanted to talk about, right? Kind of glancing at how the pace is setting up for the Kentucky Derby.
0: Yeah, before we jump into that, let's talk a okay. little bit about the Lexington here um, over the weekend. It was a final prep race that we saw at the Derby. I got this comment from Scott Campbell. I wanted to pull it up here. Uh, he asked me over on Twitter. He said, you know, from the overbet video, so I did the top five horses I would expect to be overbet uh, for RacingDudes.com uh, over on the YouTube page. Uh, Tis the Bomb was one of those horses, specifically because of the the form, the turf form and the synthetic form versus the dirt form. If you listen to the show on Thursday, all is also against Tawny Port because of that same reason we talked about how we weren't sure if the horse was going to be able to handle the dirt. Even Brad Cox was commenting how he wasn't sure if the horse was going to be able to handle the dirt. Obviously, the horse handled the dirt well, ran a nice race in the in the Lexington, knocked me out of the pick four. Um, he asked me if that results, how much that weighs in on my handicapping here when it comes to the actual derby and tis the bomb. I thought it was an interesting question and a good question. To me, there's a little bit of a difference between tis the bomb and between uh, early voting here. So, I'm sorry, Tis the Bomb and between Tawny Port here. Tis the Bomb has proven he can't run on dirt. We saw that down in Florida. Um, early uh, with, with Tawny Port, he was trying to run on the dirt for the first time. The difference in the field, I think, is also a big difference here. Tawny Port facing the Lexington versus Tis the Bomb going and facing the Kentucky Derby on dirt is a massive difference on that front as well. So, for me, seeing Tawny Port run well on dirt doesn't change my opinion on Tis the Bomb. Uh, did you kind of have the same takeaway from the Lexington?
2: Well, actually, so so Tommy Port had run on dirt. He was in the Risen Star, and he broke poorly, and so never really got a chance. But it looked like kind of like with Tis the Bomb at Gulfstream, it kind of was a case of do we think he hates the dirt? Now, Tony uh, Port had more of an excuse in the Risen Star than Tis the Bomb did in Fountain of Youth, Holy Bull, whatever the race was. I think it was Holy Bull. Um, so in that race, Tis the Bomb got the normal trip he does on turf, and it was oh, he hates getting dirt kicked in his face by a few horses guess what happens when it's 19 of them kicking dirt in his face? Like there's prop bets that are, you usually find them overseas uh, about which horse will finish last in the Kentucky Derby. It might not be a terrible horse to pick. It is the bomb to finish last because if he hates the kickback, he's never going to be um, trying really. And he's not going to be pursued with heading into the far turn. The jockey just going to throw his hands up and go, yeah, we should have, we should be at Ascot right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I totally agree with you, man. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not into tis the bomb. That this race has not changed that fact, and I, you're you're dead on too on Tony Port, where the one dirt race he had early trouble. I think that made a big difference. This time we didn't have a lot of trouble. And Dennis brings up a good point here. Like he also beat a pretty average field deal. In due time was your favorite. There wasn't that much in the Lexington. It was kind of that last gasp for Derby points that you saw for a lot of these horses. So uh, it just was one of those points that are uh, one of those comments on Twitter I thought was pretty good. So I wanted to make sure I brought it up, and uh, we discussed here a little bit on the pod.
2: Um, where is it? I saw Jesus, the comments coming in fast. I love it, guys. Uh, Nick says, Any update on early voting? Last I heard, Chad still deciding, yeah, he is. He's uh, reportedly still deciding they did skip the derby go to the preakness with cloud computing, and that worked out obviously. It was at 2017, I think. So, um, there's precedent for him to do it. I'd be curious to see if that's what he decides to do. I want him to go to the derby because I think if he goes to the derby, he's actually got a, a decent chance to win it. But I'm I think I'm in the minority on that end, at least on the racing dudes team. I think I'm the only one that's like, hey. He, he could win it, but, you
0: know. Yeah, you definitely are in the minority on that <laughs> However, uh, to, to segment back to what you did mention, one of the things I thought would be interesting to talk about today is that that early pace profile. And early voting is a very important horse for that early pace profile. I, I think there's probably four horses that I would say have a legit shot at making the lead. Early voting is one of them. You've got Messier and you've got Taiba Ty- over at California. And I'm not sure, even though we just saw Messier and Taiba face each other, and you saw Messier, the one pressing Forbidden Kingdom, Tyba actually got out of the gate faster. Tyba has been faster in sprint races. So I wouldn't be shocked if Tyba was the faster of the two horses and could get to the front versus Messier. And then the fourth one would actually be Cyberknife, who's put in the fastest half mile in any derby prep uh, that is still in the field. And so those right now, are your four speed horses, which is crazy because like originally it was, it's classic Causeway, right? It's going to be Forbidden Kingdom. And we've had defection after defection, slow down Andy, of these horses that had these fast times, these fast early half miles in the prep races. Now we just don't have that many. Now it's a couple of horses in California out of the San Derby. It's early voting. It's Cyberknife. And, and so the pace of this Derby has slowed down significantly in the last two weeks. It'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. And if anybody decides, I want the lead. Because right now, outside of early voting, who's the only horse who in every race has said, I want the lead, there isn't really anyone. So if early voting defects as well, it could, we could have a, a not a slow pace. So I don't think you're ever going to have a slow pace in a 20-horse field. But you could have a very manageable pace in this yeah, running of the Derby.
2: I think you're going to see and I agree with you 100%. And Chris, Milo brings up too uh, in the chat. If early voting doesn't go, then I don't know how either Epicenter or Messier or Taiba doesn't win. And it seems to me like it's setting up um, a lot like the Justify Kentucky Derby where Justify, uh, they went fast early to get position. They got on that backstretch and slammed on the brakes. And Justify just went... <gasps> And then he held his breath and then they came off the turn and he was, and that's when he took off. You're going to see that exact same thing set up uh, or, or, or happen in this Derby the way it's setting up. So uh, for me, I love that. Cause I think that sets up perfectly well for epicenter. But I also think uh, you watch the way that he won the Sanita Derby time was something special. Uh, you know, the, the way that that horse uh, in his second career start was able to win like that. Uh, crazy. And we've talked before about Messier, that horse, when he gets the lead early, he's hard to get past. It's when a horse challenges him. That's when he throws in the towel, but You know, Johnny V with Medina Spirit with Authentic. Uh, If he does it with Messier, are we really going to be that surprised? No. We might be mad, but we're not going to be surprised about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dead on. We wouldn't be mad, but would be surprised uh, i want to definitely call out this one too hero good comment zozo's another one that could be in the early lead um was a little bit off the pace last time we saw him but uh made the lead in the sprint race going 20 i think it was just off the pace going 21 and change and then made the lead going 47 for a half mile so zozo's definitely does have that type of speed i think draw is going to be really important again this year we talked about last year how important it was this year it's going to be very very important who draws inside does anyone draw that kind of two or three spots like if zozo draws two or three all of a sudden, Zozos is going like he's sent. He's got no other choice but to send. So that right. could kind of shake up how this how this pace comes into play. One thing I, you just mentioned. I mean, thank you very much for the comments, everybody. I'm trying to keep up with this as we kind of go yeah, through Yeah, you guys here.
2: are so fast. It's to, you, know.
0: <laughs> you mentioned right. Taiba and specifically the foundation. Darren brings up a great point. Are you concerned at all about that foundation? Uh, to me, it kind of reminds me of Justify in a way. And I don't want to compare any horse to Justify because Justify obviously won a Triple Crown. That's that's a very Hard comparison for anyone. He just did not have that same foundation. I think foundation's a little bit overrated in the way people are training horses these days because of how they're bringing them up so quickly in so few races. You're seeing more and more horses take grade one steps in their third and fourth race. And that's what we're going to see Tyba try and do. Uh, The key to me here is that Tyba has tactical speed. If if this was a dead closer trying to do this, I would say no way in hell they're going to get this job done. But the fact that Tyba has that tactical speed doesn't concern me. And the fact that he just beat Messier is the other big part to me. I, mean, I got Messier as a top five derby horse. If I have Messier as a top five derby horse, and Aaron's had Messier as number one for literally months. If, yeah. if he beats that horse, it's hard to say the foundation isn't there. Now, the experience isn't there, but we did have a very professional effort in the San Diego Derby. This horse came from off the pace, didn't just wire the field, which is a lot easier to do as a younger horse. So I'm not as concerned about that foundation as I would necessarily be just because of the style and who he's beat
2: um dave uh, barista says i prefer the value of the california horses and the likelihood of their winning scenarios and this is key i see all sorts of people shitting on california horses because of the small field size you're correct they are beating small field sizes what's also correct is that seven of the last 10 kentucky derby finish line crossers for horses across the wire first came from california like i'm sorry that's it doesn't matter how many horses are in the field because california horse often a baffert but not always uh, gets to the front and gets to the front. And it doesn't matter if there's four horses or 19 horses behind your ass. If they're behind your ass or behind your ass and you're winning the Kentucky Derby. So, um, not to, not to out uh, anybody who's had that opinion because it is a valid opinion. Normally it's just that historically, um, it doesn't go that way. I'm trying to go back through the comments here to see if we, uh, we missed oh. anything in particular. Oh,
0: <laughs> one, one more thing I want to mention here is mind that bird because this, this has come up a lot. Um, people keep we, we've talked a lot about how closers haven't fared that well in the Derby, and people keep bringing up street sense and mind that bird and some horses from the mid 2000s. Right? The key here is in 2013, nine years ago, they changed the way you qualify for the Derby. Prior to that, it was stakes earnings, so you had six furlong and seven furlong sprinters in the Kentucky Derby. If you look at the pace in those early 2000s and how those races set up and how they kind of collapsed, that was how some of these closes were winning in these massive fields. Um, As we've gotten further into this points process where you have... Anywhere from I think we start out with 36 or 38 points races. Now we're up to 46. All of those races are a mile. Almost all of them are two turns. You've got a couple one turn miles plugged in there. But because of that, the paces has slowed down significantly uh, in the Kentucky Derby over the past those past nine years. You don't have those dead sprinters in there, which are really hurting the the distance pace horses. So you haven't seen a dead closer win in a long time, and that's one of the reasons why we keep bringing up it's tough to close in these fields because you don't have. Three horses that are going 21 and change, 22 and change in the Derby, and then going 44, 45, 46, and then just killing the field. It's it's a much different run race here the last nine years than it was in the prior years.
2: Yeah, there's actually uh, the video for uh, early voting that's going to be at YouTube.com slash racing news. I talked about we're doing all the different uh, Derby contenders right now based on points. That's going to be in my discussion about early voting since 2014. Every winner was either on the lead or just sitting off of the lead. Um, and that's, you know, Saratoga Slim is enjoying retirement, but that was what his pace thesis was every year. And every year he's able to pick out who are the contenders and who's got the best likelihood to win for that very reason. So, um, yeah, good point.
0: Chris is right, too. It's also led to more favorites and shorter prices. But let's also remember... Authentic one at what nine to one, ten to one, something like that. We yep. just had we just had Medina Spirit at 12 to 1. Middling prices have done well too. You've obviously had some horses of a lifetime too. If we look at this, I mean you've had multiple triple crown winners since this point system started. So that you kind of almost have to throw those years out because that's not a normal thing. Um, but yes, the prices have gone down significantly because you have I think this year, I think it's 48 races or 46 races to determine the 20 horses in this field. We have a ton of information and they've run against each other a lot. It's a lot harder for a horse to just randomly jump up and surprise you when you have that much information about this many horses that have consistently run in these races. So it makes it a lot harder to try and find those monster prices. Sometimes you do get your 33 to ones like last year's eventual. Course that got put up after medina spirit got dq'd but that was because mandaloon had struggled in his last prep race and he had run very very well prior to that was actually one of the derby favorites in the future pools coming into it so even in that case we have a 33 to one shot who runs second it still was a logical 33 to one shot based on the prep races that you have seen already in that point uh so it's it's interesting since we've gone to this point of our system kind of how how this is fit um yeah, and Justified did go in and up at, at three to one. Mendelssohn got bet a little bit. I, I did. It was interesting. I was doing that over bet race, and I was surprised. Mendelssohn was one of those horses that has run in the UAA Derby and then come over here. I was shocked to see that no horse running in no winner of the UAA Derby has hit the superfecta in this, the Kentucky Derby yet. So everyone who's on Crown Point, Crown Prince, Crown Pride, Crown Pride, uh, everyone who's on Crown Pride. You've got to be able to, to say that, hey, this UAE Derby thing, completely different. I've talked quite a bit about Japanese horses and how well that breeding has done here over the last couple of years. Uh, it's been interesting to watch them take the Sunday Silence bloodline and be able to kind of push that forward. They've done a wonderful job doing that. We saw all the success that the Japanese horses had uh, down it, it, at the last Breeders' Cup uh, at Del Mar. And then also we've seen them do well in Saudi and Dubai this year. They've bought quite a few broodmares, quite a few stallions to kind of build that up. I still don't think we're there yet on the Crown Pride side. I think it's going to be tough for a Japanese horse to be able to get the job done right now and win the Kentucky Derby. I think you're probably going to see a European horse who's going to step up and be able to do that. Um, Waiting for Magic to come back here. We're going to cover the late pick four from Keenly once he does. But keep these comments rolling in. Uh, We keep going at it cyber is one of the ones that's interesting to me i uh, i have slowly warmed up to this horse after i've watched that arkansas derby back a couple times with the pace it's kind of we're, we're more it's getting more and more murky i think he's going to sit a better trip be able to sit a little bit closer to the lead and kind of make that one big run um it's going to be interesting to see what the odds are on this horse too i mean i, I think that this horse is probably going to be somewhere in the 15 20 to one range she could get the right trip could sit right behind the pace and it's kind of peaking at the right time for Brad Cox, who obviously had two of the top four finishers last year. Tony Port ran very well coming into the last weekend. Uh, he's one of those trainers that has stamped his – his really at a young age, he's already proven that he's going to be able to compete in a lot of these derbies. Um, we'll see what he's able to do there. Uh, yeah, Thunder Snow was interesting. He was probably the best horse to ever run in the UA Derby and then come over here to the U.S., uh, absolute head case. I mean, obviously breaking out of the gate completely blew all of his chances in the Derby. It'd be interesting to see what he and Mendelson, who both, neither of them did well at all uh, when they were over here in the U S being able to actually get out of there, made it very, very tough for them. So uh, it'll be interesting block party bringing up. There's no Bob speed this year. I would argue Messier and Tyba probably are the Bob speed this year. Um, they're going to be the two horses that are going to, that are, that are coming from California. They're going to show speed and they're, you know, you got to remember the Tim Yak was Bob Baffert's assistant, so these are basically horses being trained by Bob Baffert. I guarantee you, there are phone calls happening, going back and forth, kind of talking a little bit about how they are going to do or how they're going to handle these horses. So I would still kind of it's 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 Tim the acting with an asterisk, right? I mean, Bob Baffert is basically training these horses at this point, and he's going to be the one who comes out there. Uh, this one's interesting too. You know, Barbara Road is a horse that's gotten a lot of plug. I, the Arkansas circuit in general to me has been tough. I mean that's why I haven't really been able to figure out how I'm going to form my opinion on Cyberknife yet and Barber Road falls into this too. He seems like he just kind of flies up there a little bit late. He's able to get uh able to push forward a little bit but not able to necessarily get the job done in the race. So like, a lot of times you see him running here and coming up and and jumping into second or third or fourth in some of these prep races but not necessarily able to hit the superfecta and so uh that makes it uh that makes it tough for him to be able to really make noise in the derby if he's struggling to get up in the superfecta in arkansas i think it's gonna be tough for him to make noise in the derby but arkansas could be a little bit better than necessarily what we expected um the draw is going to be i believe it's the monday before the derby it's either the monday or the tuesday that's going to be huge. We're going to do a live show on Racing Dudes. Last year, the draw was massive for me personally because that's what got me to Medina Spirit, specifically where he drew and where Rock Your World drew. Uh, so that one was was huge to me here. Uh, we've got Aaron in the background. We're going to have him jump in here and just kind of talk through the comments with me while we wait for Magic to come back here. Aaron, what's going on, man? How you doing?
1: Hey, what's up? Yeah, I, I was watching on uh, our, our famous <laughs> YouTube channel, and then I said, well, where the hell is Magic? So I said, oh, I'll <laughs> jump on that real quick. I'm not doing anything. So what's up, man?
0: Not too much. We're having a good time just kind of running through the chat here. We're getting just blasted with derby questions Um, of the different topics that we've kind of pulled up here. Anything that jumps out at you?
1: Well, I'll I'll go back to a comment I made because a lot of people are, are maybe not on this show right now, but on our YouTube comments are kind of arguing with no closers do really well. Closers are what you want. It's like I'm not just making things up. This is not an opinion. It's a fact. <laughs> the last nine winners, and you mentioned it, in the last nine winners would cover uh, when they change it to the point system. The last three of went gate to wire. The last uh, the three before that set second, a length and a half behind, and the three before that were in third, two lengths behind. So it's just a fact that, that that's what's happening right now. And then if you are a deep closer, uh, you still need to make that move on the turn and then get yourself in position in the stretch where you can finish. Fifty three of the last fifty six winners have been first or second with a furlong to run. And many people uh, don't realize like a horse like Orb, who came from 16th, he was actually second with a furlong to run. So he was able to get himself in position and then finish. So it's not like we're hating on closers. We're going on facts and uh, we're also saying, hey, look, a horse like Zandon who proven he can make a huge move on the turn and get in position. Sure. That's a closer that can win. So It's that's the main thing. It's like, you know, a lot of people, again, they're trying to argue and it's like it's you're arguing against factual information. I'm not on here just making stuff up. You're not on here just making stuff up.
0: It's awfully tough, too, and you mentioned when they make the move. It's really hard to make a sustained move around the turn and then can not flatten out down the lane. I mean, that that is something very, very tough for a three-year-old to do. You see horses do it all the time who are older horses with better turn of foot than a lot of these horses that are in the derby. It, being able to, to make that move and then sustain it is just wildly difficult. It's why you don't see these horses flying home in the last furlong and, and being able to, to make up eight, nine, ten lengths. It's It's something you have to make the move early, and then you have to grind it out from there and hope no one gets by you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When, and here's the deal. When when you are going a distance of a mile and a quarter, many people think, oh, the closers give them more ground. It actually takes more out of them running early and then they don't have as much, you know, kick down the lane. Many times when you, in a route race, a closer wins when the pace absolutely just collapses on you. You know, yeah, uh, yeah there are exceptions, obviously. There, there's exception to every rule, but that's why when you're handicapping these long distance races, pace really makes so much difference. And really in turf races, where the majority of the ones that we handicap are longer races, that's where the pace really has to come in. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, boy, a lot of great questions coming in on the flag here, too. This it's is amazing, awesome. isn't it? So be-
0: before you jump off, Aaron, uh, you're an Arkansas guy. You're an Oakland guy. Sure. I am struggling with Oakland right now. We're getting a ton of comments about Cyberknife. We're getting comments about Barber Road, about Unojo. A lot of these horses that, that a lot of people think can run up into the super or, or Cyberknife case, compete for the top spot. What's your take on this Arkansas crop? What do you think of, of these horses coming into the Derby? Right, so you're chuck them out. You're not no interest at all.
1: Nobody, nobody roots for the Oakland horses more than I do. uh, And nobody watches Oakland more than I do. Take them all, throw them out the window. I'm sorry. This crop is disgusting. It's so bad (laughs) in Arkansas. Uh, Yeah, Cyberknife, he he won. He looked good. You know, he he got a 91 buyer, right? Like, it it wasn't that good. Everybody just kind of stopped running in that race, you know? Uh, A Philly Passed him like that until she got to knife and they couldn't get to him, obviously. Look, he's getting better. And if you want to project that he's going to run the best race of his life as a green horse in a 20-horse field, then go for it. Bet him. But he's not for me. Arkansas horses have just been horrifically bad this year. Uh, You know, it's not... You know, it's not that much saying, but but look at a thrill road, right? For D Lucas, he got second in the Rebel. He beat a horse named Barbara Road, who I've seen a lot of people like. Yeah, that's the horse this year. My thrill road seventh in the Bluegrass. He never picked up his feet. He was fourth in the Lexington, and that race wasn't any good either. So I just have a hard time with these Arkansas horses. You know, Cyberknife's a horse I've liked for a while, but at the end of the day. I just don't think he's good enough to get the job done in the Kentucky Derby. He, to me, he looks more like Indiana Derby, Iowa Derby, West Virginia Derby type. they will be really tough in races like that. I'm not sure about Kentucky.
0: <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, that that, that specific field is the one that, that's causing me the most headache right now. I, I've really downgraded Florida because of the last couple races that we've seen. And I, I'm not nearly as high as I wanna White to Barrio. And, and yeah, in due time, ran one race. But that's the only time we've seen a horse outside of Florida. He should have beaten that field based on what he had done and how he had looked. And he never even looked – he didn't look like a winner for one step in that Lexington race. Not was one not, step.
1: Was he not horrible in that race? Uh He
0: was awful. And so it, and it wasn't a fast pace. He got a good trip. He just was empty. And so I, I just – it really, really makes me take a step back on Florida, which is frustrating because I was pretty high on Florida going through this whole process, so well, uh, it, it's tough. I, I will tell you this: it makes me like charge it less, which a lot of people love. And, and you know, Chris bringing up, I hate charge it. I mean, to me, this is like if I'm not going to wait barrio on this, I'm not going to charge it on this performance too.
1: Charge it is scary because of the unknown, but he's a little bit like Cyberknife. The fact that man, do you really want to take a Derby horse and bet him to win, and he's he's running left and he's running right? He's you know he can't right. run straight in the stretch, and Cyberknife was the same way. You know, you looked at that race, the Arkansas Derby, it's like, wow, he really galloped away. Then you watch the headline. And he's like he's to the left. He's to the right. You know, he's all over the place. A good Wars probably would have beat him. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. The in due time thing was really weird because he looked like he was going to like fade to last. And then all of a sudden he gets up for third. And that yeah. just tells you how bad the wrestling horses kind of were. So, um, yeah, he was really, really bad in that race. So, yeah, I, to me. In it, it, it a weird trend that has happened now, seemingly two years in a row, the Louisiana circuit down at fairgrounds, that risen star. Holy hell. That was good. We're going to have five horses out of that risen star. If Pioneer of Medina gets in. Not
0: yeah. Real. Yeah. And I'm I'm starting to warm up on the wood, which is something I don't think I've said in five years. Um, <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute since I, I felt that way. Last thing I promise before we switch off here, uh, simplification. I, look, I think simplification is a distance problem. And this is my biggest issue. Either he may be involved in the pace. He may even come from off the pace. But if you watch all of his Florida preps, he hits a wall at like a mile and a 16th every single time and just cannot get by anyone and just kind of becomes a grinder at that point. You saw him, he was not making up ground away to Barrio and Modongo was easily catching him going a mile and 16th. He was not making up ground away to Barrio and he was dropping behind and Charge It just went right by him going a mile and a quarter or mile and an eighth. So I think simplification is a distance issue as much as anything else here in the, in the Derby.
1: Where's he gonna be? Is he gonna be on the lead? Is he gonna be stalking? He's gonna be last. I mean, I I like him. I'd love, love to own him, but I I think he has zero shot in the race. Uh, if you watched the Fountain of Youth reaction, I really wanted to say, God, I don't think the source is very good, but it was hard to do it after it because it's like, wow, it was impressive. Looked, it looked good. He kind of had traffic trouble. He's still able to win, but. You can probably see on my face. I was like, I don't think this guy's very good. And he, he kind of showed it in the Florida Derby. You know, uh, but both times he faced Wide of Barrio, he really wasn't close to beating him either time. And, and he had different tactics in both of those races, and he still wasn't competitive with him. And I, to, to let a horse like Chargett, who was green as grass, just zoom by you down the stretch. And, and once Chargett decided he was going to run straight for, I don't know what, my five strides, he left simplification like that. So I... Yeah. I think he'll take some money. He's he's not for me. I think he's a really not like he's a nice horse, but he's not a Kentucky Derby horse in my opinion.
0: Hundred percent agree with you. And, and Magic, why is the Jeff Ruby stakes a Derby points qualifier? Because C.D.I. owns Turfway Park, and there is no other reason. <laughs> that is just about it. Aaron, thank you very much for jumping in here uh, to fill in for Magic. Magic, we're going to jump you back in now. Uh, Aaron's going to take off, and we're going to do a little uh, late pick four talk, aren't we, Magic? Right
2: is up. Ultimate for taking over for an emergency doctor call, but we are good to go. The kicking off the late pick for at Keeneland on Wednesday, April 20th, race five, fifty thousand dollar starter allowance, one mile turf route. We've got a dozen Phillies and Mares three and up, non winners of two other than the three to one favorite right there at the bottom of the screen, the eight dreamful for Brad Cox, Florent Giroux, three to one, nearly one at this tracking level last fall for a different trainer. You'd think Cox would be an upgrade, so it seems like a logical favorite, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, the horse makes sense from a favorite perspective, I mean, but it's one of those where you kind of look at it and it's like, has this horse really done anything to prove it should be the favorite? My answer to that is no. I mean, the last three are on synthetic. Why are we not trying this horse on turf anywhere? Kittens joys generally do really well on synthetic. So this horse proved himself well, but also wants to be on the lead. Look, speed sucked at Keeneland this whole week. Speed (laughs) sucked at Keeneland last week on the turf. I don't want any interest in a speed horse who is in a field with a bunch of speed horses. So for me, I'm just going to chuck the ad out completely and try and kick this off with a middling price. We're not going to go too crazy here. I put the two horse on top. Uh, Jones is, is coming out of the Joe Sharp barn. Ired picks up the mount. Ray Lou rode this horse the last two times. This horse has taken two nice steps forward, getting back onto the turf after running on synthetic or being taken off the turf quite a few times up in Woodbine. The last two efforts, both at N1X at Fairgrounds. We're both very good. Fairgrounds form has been turning out pretty good at Keeneland. And I like the fact that we are a, a four-year-old that keeps taking a step forward and a step forward. I'm, I almost, well, because I'm singling in the next race, I'm not going to single here. I almost played a press ticket with this too. And I would bet Yun's the two horse here at, at anything over three to one in this spot.
2: Uh, D- Dennis, Ewens is awful. I was just about to say, Dennis, of all people knows how to say Ewins. That's a very uh, Southern thing. Ewens. Um, I did some, so so first of all, this is also my top choice here. Um, I did some deep diving on you. And since I was like, I feel like I remember this horse uh, from before. Uh, I like the fact that 10 strike racing claims her for 40 K. They were the ones that claimed her back in June of last year, 40 K as a maiden. And they immediately go, not one, not two, but all three of the triple tiara races in Canada, which is their version of the triple crown for Phillies as a maiden now she didn't hit the board but they immediately claimed her for 40 grand and that's what they did with her it was three straight times there it takes her a long time to break the maiden but i like the fact that somebody paid forty thousand dollars and was like yeah let's put her against the best three-year-olds in canada right now um we get her back on turf that's easily her best spot yeah i love this horse in this position
0: uh and next for me on the must use side was golden voice uh right to the inside this is an example where you have a horse that look maker and three diamonds generally very good tyler gafleon that's the kind of the triumvirate that you want in these kentucky races at keeneland at kentucky downs those type of places this horse was good on the turf uh, in california ran good races when you go back to the two-year-old season as well kentucky downs indiana now we're going to go back to the turf first time third time off the layoff here we're going out for a keeneland on the turf for the first time as a four-year-old Golden Horn is one of those early sires. and When you dig into Golden Horn a little bit more, we don't have a ton of sample size yet, right? So only 41 races right now by offspring of Golden Horn. Going turf routes, 5 for 30, it's 16% with seven additional times on the board. So this right now, any son or daughter of Golden Horn going a turf route is almost 50% hitting the board. That is absolutely nuts for a first-time sire. Uh, in a small sample size, I admit, just 30 races. But that is still a darn good hit right there, especially with five winners. I think you really got to respect these horses when they're getting onto the turf. Golden Voice, we're going to see for the first time as a four-year-old on the turf here. I think he's got a huge shot to take a step forward for the Maker Barn.
2: Yeah, those... Uh, uh... That's and yes, my
0: maker is very cold right now. So we're, <laughs> we're hoping that turns around a little bit.
2: <laughs> uh, this is the rare time I didn't use a Gaffley maker horse. I didn't like the fact that this horse, uh, I, I think this horse needs to go longer. I think a mile is going to be too short um, for this horse on turf against this group. If you look back the Kentucky downs when was at a mile, but we always know yeah, Kentucky downs, you add like a furlong or a furlong and a half. to, to get the true distance, if it was a normal track and then it uh, was stakes racing going a mile in the 16th, it was over the head, uh, but six, almost succeeds at Del Mar. But to me, there wasn't enough in this horse to really inspire a lot of confidence. Um, I feel like maker, if this, I don't, know, I know makers had strings at turf paradise, but this horse was really going to be a good turfer. I thought that maybe, maybe we'd be down at fairgrounds, but, you know, Maker does like to be a Turfway Park. I didn't use the one. The next horse up for me, I went three deep, and it's a, the other one that we agree on. Uh, you're going to have to scroll down here a little bit to go see the number 10 runaway Rockette. Uh, second off the bench, second time at age four for Bill Mott. Exits a career-hire buyer effort in the first try at a level below, the first time trying a level below allowance, so in for the 35K tag last out. Uh, comes rallying from way off, uh, almost gets the job done. Now we're running back protected. So they they risked the horse. It's an into mischief daughter. Nobody claimed for 35000 for some reason. Uh, they went, we got lucky, protect her back. So I like that we're stepping back in. But I also like, Mike, that that claiming race was at, uh, was at Gulfstream Park. Championship meet has now ended after that race. Mott's moved on. If this horse was not that good, this horse probably would have stayed at Gulfstream, would have gone up to Aqueduct. Mott said, no, no, you're coming with my good horses to Keeneland. Okay, there's nothing really on this form that makes me go, "Oh, that's a good decision," except oh yeah, October 4th, 2020, horsebroker maiden at Keeneland, protected against main special weight." So, uh, those are all the reasons plus the fact we got Rosario why I really like Runaway Rocket.
0: I also like the fact that this horse debuted at Churchill Downs, which is not somewhere Mott always debuts horses, but debuted with John Velasquez, not Alvarado up. So they thought highly of this horse early on in its career. Then you see Sayaz ride this horse the next three times, including uh, breaking the maiden and then two nice N1X allowances where, I mean, look, that race, Conlima wins the first N1X. There's no shame in losing to Conlima. So you lost
2: the gate to wire horse. That's what you did.
0: I mean, so there's absolutely no shame in that. I I think that you could make a a, a logical projection here with the 10 horse that we're going to see a nice improvement second off the layoff. I agree with you. I like the fact that we're protecting her back. They saw something in that race that meant, hey, there's still talent in this horse. We think we can win an N1X. Uh, We're going to take a shot at a big time person. That's exactly what you're getting here with a $50,000 allowance. And then you're going to be able to go into that N1X right afterwards. So uh, that, that was a risky move, putting her up for 35. But it's what allows you into a race like this. And once you saw that effort in the 35K claimer, you feel like you can get it done here in one of these spots. So I think it's a great it's a great show of confidence in the mop barn to be able to take this route with this horse and say, no, we want to protect it. Uh, so I think the 10 is one of those you kind of have to use. I'm going to go for a little bit of a price here and go to Silky Warrior. The three horse is my last horse here. I love Decoration of War. Uh, it's the Son of War front. It's turned out a bunch of good horses on the turf, especially. And this is a spot where... I almost like the the form is muddied up enough that you're going to get that six to one price. You look at the last two races, both of them rained off turf. And to me, that's a big key here. This horse has never touched the dirt in its life until those two efforts, which rain off the turf. You end up on synthetic. We've heard a lot about that synthetic Gulfstream course. Turf horses don't generally just love it. You know, it's, it's either they like the course or they don't. Clearly, Silky Warrior, not a fan of that course. The race two back's a mile and a half. I mean, so I can just completely draw a line through that. If you go back to the turf efforts, when this horse was running at three, its numbers fit with everybody else in this field. It was slowly progressing and becoming better and better. Now we're going to get second off a layoff, four-year-old season. We're getting back to turf for the first time in three races. And like I said, you have that muddy form in those last two where people are going to look at it and downgrade the horse for something that's not the horse's fault at all. I, I think we're going to get better than a six-to-one price here on this three horse. And I think he's awfully live in this spot.
2: The uh, that race at Keelan three back is I, I was kind of back and forth about what to do with this horse and wasn't, i ended up leaving off uh, the fact that the horse is out of a Manchu mare tells me the horse probably wants a distance, which is why you see mile five sixteenths when they broke the maiden at Kentucky downs to me, a mile. This feels like a prep race. Like, okay, we get the horse back on turf and try to get it running. Uh, see if we can get moving forward. Um, I didn't use, but I was on the fence and, and I agree with you. I think you're definitely going to get every bit of the price you want. Uh, the last one that I use is going to be the 11, my mate Marmite. And that was a very, I had to practice that name multiple times. <laughs> uh, Mike, I don't know if you know this. Flavian Pratt was seven. I'm not going to do this because he actually yeah. kind of burned me. Uh, yeah. he went over four in the pick four. <laughs> On Saturday, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play. I think he might
0: have went over the weekend. Even Uh, he did not have a good.
2: He had two wins on the undercard Saturday morning, and I was like, he was two for two. I was like, great, we're going into the (laughs) press four and he blanked. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it didn't work out well for me, but he is picking up a horse that uh, Michael McCarthy has had, but never raced in California, which is kind of interesting. Uh, McCarthy had that string because he's going to have a California base as well here, you see, being at Keeneland, so that's why he had some horses at Turfway Park, but I like the fact that Mike McCarthy has really been sending horses to Kentucky with intent to win. I mean, remember, he was a neck away from winning the Maker's Mark Mile with Smooth Like Straight when... the the, the track bias at Keeneland, completely against that horse. And for him to be you know, within a neck away as a California horse caught my attention. But this horse's best effort, I thought, was going when he was going a mile and a 16th. So the longest he's ever run uh, produced his best effort. It seems like he's got some tactical speed. I'm getting Flavian Pratt, and he's stretching out. So I like that we're taking the stretch out speed uh, to two turns. Something that he had done okay at before. Um, he just really, really, sorry, she really, 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 really needs to improve those buyer speed figures. But... Seven starts. We've never tried turf, and we've never had Flavian Pratt or a jockey like Flavian Pratt. So I'm going to get a good price. I'm getting a good trainer. I'm getting a great jockey. Yeah, let's see what happens when we try turf for the first time.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to knock you with all that. I, I'm going to say one of my like biggest things that really scares the crap out of me is when anyone brings a horse over from Europe, and they run them in a claiming race or a maiden claiming race first time out. Because to me, it costs so much money to find these horses in Europe, bring them over, and then put them into these races that if you're willing to put them up at any risk, to me, that tells you that that horse is not what you thought, that there is less talent than you expected. And that's what we saw with this horse. It makes it really hard for me to play this horse first time it's not in for a tag, right? Because at that first race, they fly this horse over from Europe, doesn't run for a full year, and it runs in a 30,000 maiden claimer. That, to me, is a huge red flag and wins. Then you take a break, and you don't run the horse protected. Mm Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's just it's, this is, it's hard for me to have a lot of faith that you're going to then be able to step up and face a group that I think is actually pretty good here um, for this, this $50,000 allowance level and say, yeah, this is the first time we're going to take on a, a non claiming level and be, be successful with it. I agree that Pratt and McCarthy at 10 to 1 is juicy. I'm not going to try and talk you off a horse for that reason. But for like one of my just general rules is if you fly a horse in from another country and you put him in a claimer, that's a bad sign generally.
2: <laughs> Tom says it might take the next available pick forward knowing that would be a story. They would try magic nuts. I'm going to keep playing them. Uh am just going to keep doing it. I really and Michael will tell you too. Like I, I was rolling it back. The pick four missed. Roll it back to pick three. Pick three missed. Roll back the daily yeah. double. Oh uh, for four, Flavin. That's okay. Listen, we'll make it back on Wednesday. We're going to move on second week. Sorry, go ahead. I want to bring up.
0: I want to bring up John's comment real quick. Uh, he means the nine here. Don't sleep on the nine biscuit. Adam Biscuit's, uh, uh up oh, for yeah. the win. The nine was one of the last horses off my ticket. I do think it's definitely a worthwhile horse to look at. If you're interested in the nine, I would not talk you off them. Vibranium, Vibranium, Vibranium? I want to say Vibranium because of Marvel. Uh, This horse is coming out of multiple stakes races. Last time we saw him was in a grade three here at Keeneland. It's a long time off the bench, but the spot is interesting. Um, So the horse is able to come back protected. The horse broke like crap in that race. I'm worried that a mile isn't long enough for this horse. Mm -hmm. That would be my biggest concern. Um, Also, this might be a stepping stone if they want to try and get this horse into a stakes race next. But there is definitely back races and talent here you can point to. The question is, off the bench, is it worth it? If this price floats up to 12 to 1, 15 to 1, I think it's worth maybe throwing in there at a flyer
2: uh also worth noting that the only time she ever raced for a tag uh looking through yeah the only time she ever raced for a tag was on debut when she won and they run her back ran her back protected ever since i think she's a decent horse i'm just with you i think that uh i think it's a stepping stone for something maybe a little bigger and a little bit longer but if you like her uh you know eight to one you're gonna get a price and also mike i'm glad i'm not the only one that struggled with vibranium by burnham uh,
0: yeah. in <laughs> damn you marvel
2: <laughs> uh, that's okay uh, that, they're, they're making me happy with moon Knight. second leg of the late pick four sequence uh, we're going to the dirt we've got a seven furlong tricky distance sprint attracting nine older males in for $30,000 tags uh, non-winners of two lifetimes so you know these are going to be some real good ones and that includes the five to two favorite number two beep beep a horse once drafted in the racing dudes triple crown fantasy league uh, slight fall from grace for beep beep where'd you go on top
0: Okay, I am really hoping. Please do not rain the next two days of Keeneland. I need this track to dry out so that speed can ha- hold. I'm going to single the five horse Grey Wing here. Um, I think Grey Wing is absolutely lone speed. Lacey Gaudette, we talked about her last time, uh, kind of got a little bit let down when we discussed it, but she's one of those trainers who, when she brings a horse to Keeneland, generally it fires. Note the ownership here is Team Gaudette. I think that's very interesting. Know that they debut this horse at $16,000 I made and doesn't run that well, but they still step it up off the layoff, up to 25000 uh, where it gets claimed, but then the claim gets withdrawn for some reason with a little W there next to it. They then protect the horse back, and now we're going to step the horse up to a higher claiming level after it won. On top of all of that, this is your lone speed. This is your fastest horse and will 100% get the lead. And, oh, by the way, Irad takes them out. So you get Irad up, which is like literally zero times has he ridden for the that Barn. There, someone said something to get him on this horse. This horse has is going to be lone speed in a spot we're going seven. You're going to get that five to one price. This is a big time separating the pick four for me. So, I'm going to try to single gray wing and get through here.
2: Uh, this is my top pick as well. And when I got to this race and I looked through the field, uh, the first thing I did was look at the speed, and I realized he's got a 106 or time form early pace rating. Next highest is 83. I went lone speed, my top pick. For sure. Mike's top pick. Mike might single this horse. This was a, uh, yeah, there you go. Good job, Nick. Um, you were on it as well. Um, for every reason that you mentioned, I will give you one correction. The dash W that means the, the, they waived the claim option. So the horse was coming back from a long enough layoff that the horse could, they could run the horse protected basically. So you ran against claimers but you weren't eligible to be claimed. So you kind of had a leg up there. And so that, to me, just adds even more to the performance uh, of gray wing because then you get that win and then you run right back uh, to a higher level. Um, so we're dropping back down, but maybe this is a suitable spot. I also, by the way, Mike, because this is New York bred, if there weren't soundness issues based off of kind of how the form looks, this could be a really fun $30,000 claim. Like We could claim this for thirty grand and probably have some fun at Saratoga this summer.
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I I'm down. We got Aaron in the background. I'm gonna go ten each.
2: There we go. He yeah. said yes.
0: Yeah, there we go. We got. Said,
2: well, what was what was third place paying for uh, for the Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge? Did I get enough for that? I think I just yeah. missed. I think you got ten
0: point. dollars, not quite thousands, but you know it's close. We thought the racing dude stable with this one, so this is the problem. If we're all on this and the chats on this, is this are we getting five? I thought we we're getting five to one. Do you think we're getting five to one on this horse? I think we'll be somewhere between five to one and two
2: to one. Um, uh, well, thank you for I, that,
0: that very tight range, Magic. <laughs> yes,
2: there you go. Hey, listen, uh, I'm all about the facts here. Uh, I think beep beep is gonna be is gonna take a bunch of money, and I am using beep beep. I went three deep here, so I'll fly through them quickly. Beep beep for me, second off the bench, second time starting dates H4 we're taking a big class drop which can sometimes scare you off and sometimes you go well hey this is good handicapping angle uh first time running for a tag and adding blinkers so a lot of changes here i feel like we're trying to get a win out of this horse and I don't know much about the Mary Lou Whitney stables, uh, how much they want to keep moving forward with the operation. Maybe they're looking to the downside, maybe the size, maybe they're like, eh, this horse won't be a stakes winner. Let's just get a win at Keeneland. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll get a picture taken. And then someone takes the horse uh, off our hands, but the horse did break his maiden on debut at this distance, which is a big plus. So I will use beep beep defensively. God help me. I'm also going to use the eight Kobe B for Dale Romans. Um, I, <laughs> I listen, the, first off, forget the, uh, what happened with the result. Dale Romans did at least run this horse protected at Keeneland on debut. So Dale Romans in his infinite wisdom said, yeah, this horse, we're going to win at Keeneland on debut in a turf sprint against Fauci, who just happened to be a pretty decent Wesley Ward turf sprinter. Uh, Dennis, big if true. Um, (laughs) uh, Kobe B returns off of an extremely long layoff, beats the shit out of 15K claimers at Turfway Park, winning like he was miles better than those horses and, and he probably was but they also were not good horses so now he has to answer the question can he run on dirt and can he handle winners on dirt um the, what kind of pushed me over the edge into using him mike is that work that last work on april 10th he went 47 and two for four furlongs at churchill as faster than Sconson, Pauline's Pearl, Midnight Bourbon. The fastest that day was 47 flat. Three horses did it. So he was right there just underneath what the fastest time was, beating stakes horses who admittedly probably weren't being pushed like he was in that position. But he showed speed on dirt, so that's what I needed to see to use him here.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the two of is the sneakiest workout because bullet workouts get bet, The two of get ignored. So it's I, I love that, that angle of when they run second of however many that day because you end up getting a better price because of it. Uh, I hate the two. I hate the two. I would never use the two <laughs> like that. That horse is going to get wildly overbet, and and this just you, you mentioned okay. Either the drop means that like they, they they believe in the horse, they want to get a win in them, they want to build confidence, or they want to get rid of it. This is a get rid of it drop to me. Maybe the horse runs huge. Maybe it runs out of its skin. Totally possible. Yeah. But I think this horse goes off at seven to five, maybe six to five, somewhere in that range, which makes me like not interested at all. And then on top of that, the fact that we're adding blinkers and like we're trying all these different things, and this is going to be uh it, you know they've run four races at four different distances and now we're trying to get back to seven furlongs it's just there's too much going on here and this isn't something you see from norm cassie very often with the, this is very erratic stuff this is a, a kenny mcpeak style training job that we're seeing here where you just have no clue where they're going to put the horse next and that's <laughs> kind of what we're getting from beep beep and that that really pulls back many interest here so i i was never using the two in this spot um i, I think the eight's a little bit interesting but i'm a little concerned like if i'm singling a horse because it's lone speed and I'm taking a dead closer. That's a problem. Right. So that that was my biggest knock on, on Kobe B is that the horse is just going to try and come up from absolutely nowhere. I actually agree with John here. Um, I mean, he's he's going full was at least Corso on me. Not so fast, my friends. But uh, the one horse, a little interesting um, getting claimed to going into the foster barn, which is a lesser known barn, only 39 starters over the year um but it's 15 percent so still a pretty solid barn in that sense horse has some good races over dirt broke its maiden at keeneland yes it was for maiden 20 but at least has a win over the track going this distance we're gonna see this first time as a three-year-old so you have an option for that horse to take a step forward you got a couple good works and you get corrales so I, I think the one's a little interesting at the 10 to 1 price i just decided to single the five that's why i didn't include the one or the seven who would have been the other one that i use but uh I, I do think the one at 10 to one's a little bit interesting
2: those uh those mastery horses have not been doing too well so far. Pedigree uh, no. <laughs> wise uh, 8% overall, uh 4% first-time starters. Um I, which is really sad because I really liked Mastery a lot. He, he was probably going to be the favorite for the San Diego Derby in 2017 Then he wins the San Felipe and got hurt as he crossed the wire. Um boy, his horse is not doing well so far. Uh yeah. I I'm not going to use still. I could understand why you're going to but Listen, We both really love the five gray wing here. Uh, two legs to go. Penultimate leg. We'll go to that one first at Keeneland. We're going back onto the turf, and this is an absolutely loaded race, Mike. Uh, full field of 12 older males, non-winners of three other than. So God bless Keeneland for having the field size and quality to be able to put together an N3X allowance because this has a grade one winner, a grade two winner, a grade three winner, and four other stakes winners all in this field. Uh, that last figure also includes your favorite, which is the four camp hope for Kenny McPeak at three to one. And that sound you hear on the podcast is Mike running away as fast as he can because he heard Kenny McPeak at a short price against a big field.
0: I'm going five deep. I am using the horse. I mean, this is crazy. I'm, I'm going five deep. Imagine just going three deep. We're using seven horses here, six horses here. So uh, we, we're going to have to fly through our opinions. Um, I like the two horse on top at a price here. Give me fancy liquor uh, sitting at ten to one for Mike Maker look this horse is is this is a drop in class in the n1x this horse has been running at seventy thousand on handicap hundred thousand dollars stakes at uh, at turfway park both those over the synthetic this horse just isn't as good over the synthetic it's a much better horse when you're looking at the turf you go back to the the four-year-old turf form the late three-year-old turf form this horse had a nice progression was getting better and better and better facing some good horses colonel liam get smoking venezuelan hug all very good horses um now we're going to get back into a field where I think you got a little bit better of a shot. Yes, the Maker Barn's been a little bit cold. That's probably my biggest concern here. But everything else fits. We're third off a layoff. We're getting back to the surface we like. We've got a nice work three back. Um, we've had success on Keeneland with two starts, with a second and a third. I like the 10 to one price. I, st- I like Raspoli. I agree with you, Vashan. Va- uh, Va- I do think that, the t- that Rispoli is one of the better jockeys here on the turf specifically. I think inside posts have been very, very good at Keeneland. I'm avoiding those outside numbers right now, especially around two turns. So I'm going to start out with a two fancy liquor, ten to one.
2: Um, I wonder. I'm looking back at his works to see. No, he wasn't. Okay, because Mike Maker had a, a big string at Del Mar in the summer, a little bit in the fall, and I was going to see if he uh, even worked there. He didn't because I'd be curious to see. Reese Bulling has never ridden the horse, but he did ride for Maker when he was at Del Mar and have a. Basically, twenty five percent win rate together. So uh, I didn't use fancy liquor. You know what, Mike? For the purposes of getting through here, because uh, we use some horses, we'll just not negate each other's one. Um, I'll go with my top pick, which is going to be the six TD Dance for Brad Cox, Irad Ortiz Jr. Um, this is like I named off all the how many stakes winners? What did I say? Seven of them of the twelve in this field. And uh, my top pick is a stakes winner, or a great stakes winner. This is going to be third start off of the bench for him, and that is key. Uh, third start at age four because last year at age three in his third start off the bench, he won a stakes race on Preakness day where you've got a lot of connections aiming for it he wins that by race by almost four lengths so he pops a huge effort in that third off the layoff spot now we're third off the layoff after facing some very good optional claimer horses at fairgrounds you talked before in an earlier race Mike about that fairgrounds turf form has been going forward pretty well now we're getting irad ortiz jr no knock on jareth loveberry uh we're getting irad ortiz jr aboard. yeah i love td dance here
0: the I am my, muted. That was that was my other. Now it's 1 1 on the mute scale. Uh, <laughs> I use TD Bit Dance as well. That was my other must use. I'm now going to go to the inside for your Pratt Daddy, which you didn't use in this spot. So I can't nope. wait for Pratt to blow up your pick four. Uh, I'm going to go with Like a King. This horse is leaving the Wesley Ward barn. You know what Wesley Ward is good at? Turf training. You know what he's really good at? Turf sprint training. You know what he's not so good at? Turf route Yeah, so I'm going to go and say that this is a barn upgrade, even though it's leaving the ward barn, we're heading into the Cassie barn, which generally is not an upgrade. But here I do believe it is, since we are going from uh, a, a trainer who is significantly better turf sprinting to a trainer that's better, I think, turf routing. Uh, we're turf routing here, so obviously that is a positive. We pick up Pratt, that's a positive. We ran behind Camp Hopes, your 3-1 to favorite last time, and I think we have a right to step forward. That's a positive. First time out as a 4-year-old, that's a positive. You got the rail. That's a positive. I think there's a lot of things about like the king that take that allows him to logically take a step forward. I singled the last race so I can spread here. This is one of those horses I think you have to spread with.
2: Uh, last horse off. I think he's got tail and I just think there are better horses with his shallow as I went, but you brought up all great points. Uh, next up for me, number 10, uh, beacon Hill four to one. Mike match, Joe Al Rosario here steadily improved since trying turf last year, one off the bench at this distance last year in a very similar situation. Last start for this horse in the point of entry stakes missed by a half length to a horse in sham rocket who ended up winning a grade three turf state or turf stakes at fairgrounds uh, this past spring. Johnny Velasquez was aboard that day. He shares the same jockey agent with Joel Rosario. If Johnny V got off and said, that horse is really good, to his agent, his agent's going to remember and put Joel on. So that's why I really like uh, the 10 Beacon Hill here.
0: Didn't use it. Not interested in it. Think it's a tough post for that style. I am going to go right to the inside, though, and go with the 9 Pine Null, who I think is going to be a little more forwardly placed than the 10, and be able to get work out a little bit better of a trip, hopefully under Florent Giroux. Brad Cox Barn, obviously that's a positive. He's 27% right now at Keelan. That's a good thing. Florent's been a little bit cold, but this isn't a tough one to work out with the trip. This horse is going to be forwardly placed, second time out as a five-year-old. Should take a nice little step forward here. If so, puts this horse in contention. I think you're going to see this horse sitting right behind the speed and get first run. It's going to be all about whether or not you get the trip from first run and you're able to take a step up. This is the fifth horse on for me, so I'm not as passionate about the nine here as the others, but I like the 15-to-1 price. I like Brad Cox. And I like the fact that I think we're going to trip out.
2: Going three to eight, third horse on for me, taking a big swing with the only grade one winner in the field. And that's the 11, get her number. And uh, yeah, this horse is a grade one winner on dirt at age two. Every time I looked at that, I kept going, no, that's not, really." yeah, okay, I guess so. Um, This horse actually did win off the bench on the turf uh, at Santa Anita, sprinting last out, uh, formerly with Peter Miller, now with Ruben El Jefe Alvarado, the former Miller assistant there. The big question I have is why would Gary Barber, ton of horses in California. Uh, Ruben Alvarado doesn't really ever leave California. They got a horse that just won there. Why are they leaving for a non-stakes race at Keeneland when Alvarado doesn't have any starters so far this meet? Uh, it's very odd to me. Maybe the horse needs... Well, they can still get stakes out in California. I really couldn't come up with a reason other than this horse is probably kind of sneaky here and they think they're going to go into Keeneland where the purses are massive and be able to steal one here. And at 15 to 1, yeah, let's steal it.
0: I mean... I don't even, I'm, I'm glad we're not, don't have time to go back and forth. So I can't rip you apart for using this horse. Um, I do want to mention there's a lot of people asking about, uh, where is it? The 8 Invader here in the chat. Um, this is Wesley Ward. This is where we're going to have John Velasquez show up. They've been a, a dynamic combination uh, on the turf at, at Keeneland or pretty much anywhere, really. Um, my biggest issue is how the turf is playing. They, it, you cannot win on the lead. And there is other speed in here. And the 8 is going to have to go, go, go. I, I think it's just going to be a really tough ask for anyone to wire a field. Um, but the, the way the turf course is playing, and specifically in this spot because of the other speed, that's why I left the eight invader out.
2: Did we hit all of your horses? I know you were going, to we yeah, up.
0: one, one, two, four, nine, one, two, four, six, nine. I'm sorry,
2: there we go. And I'm six, ten, eleven. So, really, uh, I think Glynn County or Dynamite or Grays Creek, there's your winner in this race. Uh, final leg of the late pick four at Keeneland on Wednesday, April 20th. Boy, that race was a doozy in a fun way. This is a doozy in a not so fun way. Let's see how quickly we can talk about this. 11 maiden males, all going six furlongs on the dirt in for $20,000 tags. This is the bottom of the barrel for Keeneland. Your favorites, they're pretty much uh, inseparable here. The four, Lapis Lazuli, four to one. The eight, Art Heist at seven to two. The nine, Lunar Rocket at four to one. The five, Fully Connected, five to one. Ugh. Where are you going on top?
0: I mean, your yeah pretty much describes... Um how to feel about this field? It, it's it's tough, man. I'm gonna end up with the nine lunar rocket on top. um This is more of a connections play than anything. I, I you, you look, this whole horse is buy money's out of Malibu mare the, the horse should have talent. Sold for one hundred fifty five thousand dollars. Should have talent. Has run in multiple maiden special weights. Is dropping into maiden claiming for the first time. It's Brad Cox. It's Florent Cheroux. This feels like hey, I want to win at Keeneland i'm steve lander's racing and i want to get in that winner's circle that's what this feels like to me um and I, I think this is an aggressive drop it's a a realistic drop for the horse's talent this race didn't come up tough at all uh so i'm gonna go with the nine on top my other must use it, it was a, the three horse congrats to me and, and it's as simple as this feels sucks like and we have two horses that are unknown you've got uh Corrales up on an eric foster horse on the inside it's a gormley gormley's not generally good first out uh Eric Foster's 0 for 4, small sample size, but still 0 for 4. And then you have George Leonard, who is 25% first time out with a $9.42 ROI and attracts Bayeranu, who is 43% in 2013. Again, small sample size, only 14 races. But when Arnold calls Bayeranu, they win. When he sends someone out first time, they're winning. This field isn't very good. You're getting 12 to 1. Don't leave the horse off. <laughs>
2: This is the uh, this is the exact horse Mike talked about at the beginning of the show where he was like, "Did you use this one?" And I thought about it, and I didn't know use it. Okay, that's all I needed to hear. Uh, as Polly seven 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 says, this race is a ticket buster. Um, this is yeah. I I didn't spend too much time on this because I looked at it and I was like, half of most of these horses, if they beat me, I'm gonna go. Okay, I would have had to hit all, and I didn't hit all here. Uh, my what top is- pick. Sorry, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say, this is an interesting race if you want to really ladder out this sequence, right? And we talked about ladder tickets before. If you want to play a 50 cent, a $2, $5 ticket, this is the type of race that fits that really well because this is a good all race. This is a spot where you could make a logical argument why all the favorites suck and a long shot could just step up and blow this thing up. You play an all ticket here for 50 cents. Then you play a $2 ticket where you go three or four deep. And then you play a $5 ticket where you're two deep and you're using two singles and earlier legs. So this is a good ladder sequence specifically because of this race. If you don't have an opinion, in my mind, I don't have a big enough opinion earlier. Maybe, maybe you go you single the two in the first race, you single a five in the second race, you go two or three deep in the third race, and then you go two or three deep here and you play that for five bucks. It'll cost you 30 or 45 bucks. And then you go, you know, you single both one or both those horses and play all here. But if you're gonna single both those, I'd almost just invest in the double in the first two races. Cause I think that's a better payoff than popping the all button here. Anyway, sorry, ticket construction sidetrack there. That's
2: all right. Always a good time to take a break for that. Aaron, thank you. I was handicapped. I like, I thought Arnold Heist was a horse that like at one point maybe could have been drafted in the fantasy. Like, yeah, he's completely falling apart there. Uh, big reason I didn't use it. My top pick, I agree with you on the nine, Lunar Rocket. Um, I went three deep. We talked about the three. Congrats to me. So I'll talk about my final pick, the four. Lapis Lazuli, like Lunar Rocket, taking a class drop from the off-turf maiden allowance to bottom-barrel dirt claimers. Those two dirt losses, I'm willing to forgive because uh, he was actually forced to break from the rail. Now he's going to be breaking from post four. He was just three years old. He's just a little boy, and you're putting him on the rail. Now you're going to give him, after some experience, you put him outside a little bit here. Um, but Joe Talamo uh, Norm Cassie, a combination that I used earlier, I'm going to use again here. So uh, I used the four. Was the four on your ticket? No. Okay. Talk about who you got left here.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to change my ticket up a little bit here, but I'm, okay. I'm going to use I'm going to use the seven. Um uh, this horse uh, is oh God. I always pick these damn names it's, I'm going to go with is the man because that's why I want to name this horse uh, by balance um, look the, the seven horse they thought this was a dirt horse they tried this horse on dirt he ran a little bit faced Volcanic and charge it second time out ran a little bit faced Happy Boy Rocket third time out ran a little bit waters are a lot shallower here. We'll just put it that way. 12 to one's a pretty good price. Uh, Gutierrez is a pretty good trainer. Sia is pretty good jockey. Uh, so you're, you're getting enough here to me that makes me interested. We're also taking the blinkers back off, which tells me that that, that was just a bad experiment last time out. So I like the 12 to one price on the seven here. So we're going to go there. And then I'm going to go, instead of using the five, I'm going to go to the 11. And I'm going to use Hearns as my last horse in here. Jimmy Creed, another Sire that I love. This is first time off a layoff. Like Andrew McKeever, Little to be desired as a trainer, but I think this is probably your speed of the speed. And I want the horse who's in the lead in this race. It's just that simple to me that if, if you're gonna make the lead, I think that's the most important thing in this spot. So I'm gonna end up going uh three, seven, nine, eleven in this spot
2: uh 11 is the horse that i almost used and then ended up um i, I the, the three ended up kind of replacing the 11 for me there uh it's kind of a, a boomer bust and i think six to one was a little too short of a price for me if i'm getting I, you know 10 to one i probably would have ended up actually i'm pretty sure at 10 to one i would use this horse i think it's six to one um with the horse beating you know fifteen thousand dollar maiden claimers and the winner was terrible in his next start um for me I'm going to pass on that but if the price this is one of those things that sucks we're not going to know in, until it's too late but if the price goes up then I think your this horse becomes a lot more playable
0: yeah, I'm hoping the price floats. I mean, because look, the, I think the three, the five gets bet, right? Because the five is coming out of larger maiden claimers, was just claimed. I don't love claiming off Ashton and dropping thirty thousand. That's not a good sign in my mind. Like that's that's the main reason I'm pulling the five off the ticket. I think that the eight's going to take a lot of money because of the connections and the drop. I think the nine's going to take the money because the connections and the drop. So I think you know, the price in the eleven's probably floating up.
2: All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining, Mike. and I talk about the Keeneland Wednesday late pick four sequence? Mike, update the ticket below. At least it should be updated. Let me uh, let me know if it's good. But we will be giving it out if you are watching live or the replay. Take a look below. I will start. My ticket is two ten eleven with two five eight with six ten eleven with three four nine. That is a twenty-seven dollar ticket, Mr. Summit. Your ticket, please.
0: I'm gonna go uh, fifty cent ticket. I'm gonna play one two three ten with five with one two four six nine with three seven nine eleven for fifty cents. That'll cost you forty bucks.
2: It's gonna be a fun day uh i just realized as i was uh, finishing handicapping this race wednesday's 420 so if you're going to celebrate celebrate by playing at keeneland you know throw some green at keeneland because it's gonna be a lot of fun they're expecting uh not expecting rain until thursday right now so hopefully that holds off and especially because we both love gray wing if he gets a fast track uh in the second leg of this race but make sure you follow us on twitter for all of our updates for our tickets and of course for the coverage of all things kentucky River, Kentucky oaks i am at chris keller he is at some Obama 18 number one number eight Corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Mike, do you mind if we wait until Thursday for the stable up segment that we're going to do? I know we're running late on time. Okay, perfect. We'll be back. Uh, we've got a great one. So make sure you tune in on Thursday. Uh, Mike has a race from last Saturday at Keeneland uh, for a stable up feature. You don't want to miss multiple horses. Could come out of that to be stakes contenders in the summer. So uh, join us Thursday. We'll also preview a pick four sequence. I don't know where. We'll figure it out uh, between now and then. Uh, but until Thursday at 5 Eastern, 2
1: Pacific, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. See you then.